Earlier this month, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed into effect what's colloquially called the Skittles ban. It's a ban on a handful of food additives with no negative health effects, yet are still pervasive in our food system. What are the banned additives, and should they be banned across the country? Here's what you need to know and what to check for on food labels. Let's dive in. Carolyn, today's topic is one of those where I almost feel a little bad for our listeners. Why? Because there's not a lot of, like, really great solutions to this these problems. Other than to move to Europe. But we'll get to that. Okay. All right. That wasn't even <laughs> on my list, but now we're talking. All right. Um, it's one of those where it's like, okay, we're going to tell you about these things, these ingredients that are being banned in a, a state we don't live in and which which still could have like nationwide, you know, a ripple effect. But it's like, okay, well, what's the solution to them? Some of these things? Well, don't eat that and don't eat that and make this from scratch. And, and so that, excuse me, that's the part where I'm like, I feel a little bad, but also one of these ingredients I did not even know that it was bad. Don't even really pay attention. I can promise you I'm going to be going home and looking at a bunch of my products. Well, let's tell them what we're talking about. Today. Okay. All right. We're talking about the Skittles ban, guys. The Skittles ban. No more Skittles. Yeah. So in Just California, um, last week, Governor Newsom, there's been a bill that's been, they've been trying to push through in California, which would ban the use of at least four food additives. Um that are very commonly used in food, um, and they're additives that are banned in other countries for usage mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of their potential risk. But we use them in the U.S. Not shocking. Yeah, and we'll talk about why we use them because we kind of operate from a different approach than the European Union. But um, so I got called for an interview this week, um, an editor wanted to interview me f- about the passage um, of this, or last week I got called. Um, and so I- I'd been following it a little. I'd been following it definitely for Red Number 3, which was one of the ones they wanted banned and did get banned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted to dig into the research and just find out more about the these four some of the other um, ones. that had been listed. Yeah. Um, and what I found was really kind of shocking. So uh, the four that you hear, uh, I think it's five total that were banned, but the four that I looked into were potassium bromate, um, let's see, brominated vegetable oil, propylparaben, and red dye number three. And I was really shocked, particularly with potassium bromate and red dye number three. I mean, by the time I, I was, if you read that interview, I was fired up by the time I got to it and you can tell, um, because I was like this, these are no brainers. Why are we using these? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, the health effects are so, um, compelling, like mm-hmm. the negative health effects are so compelling. And the reason to be using them is something that I'm not I'm not putting that together. The one that surprised me the most, and I don't know if you want to talk about it first or if you want to talk about another one first, but was potassium bromate. 
Yes. That was the one that really, that was the one that was not on my radar. Like, yeah, it wasn't. I, I was like, what? Well, let's talk about why they are still used in the FDA because the European Union is kind of like Europe's FDA mm-hmm. when it comes to food and additives. And the FDA and the European Union take two very different approaches. And for a while now, I have just started following what the European Union does. I mean, I follow the FDA, but when it comes to additives, I look to see if they've banned it because I know they're much more cautious. Um, because they really work from, they have to, they work from, I read this somewhere, a precautionary principle, which means even if there is a, sci- a scientific possibility that something harmful could happen, um, we should still, uh, and even if risk analysis have proved that will not occur, we should still avoid using it. Or avoid using it until we can scientifically prove that the benefits far outweigh these potential risks. Totally different approach. Totally opposite of the FDA, where we've approved all of these and they've been used for years now. And the only way for them to ban it or look into it again is for there to be almost overwhelming evidence that the risks, there are risks. And, you know, I think um, what's key to understand here is it's hard to test the health effects of additives. One, you have to do it in animals because mm-hmm. we can't, like, take 100 people and give them tons of potassium bromate and, like, okay, how many of y'all have cancer in five years? Yeah. You know? Yeah, no no um, IRB board is going to right. improve that. So we have to look at animal studies, which, you know, animal studies are not the same as human ones, but they're supposed to be used in this instance as a pretty good barometer. Or we have to use, like, population studies, like longevity. Like, these people say they use saccharin four times a day. Right. Over the past 50 years. Right. And it just so happens that they have these effects. So you can find associations, but that's not a cause and effect. So it really is, I guess, it's really hard to demonstrate overwhelming evidence that there is a risk mm-hmm. from these. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way the FDA will pull them. Or, um, Well, the other thing, too, is that the U.S. government will also often say that a particular ingredient can be used like it's quote-unquote safe at x amount you know in yes at a threshold at a threshold dose and but there is not a good um or a reliable or a consistent check and balance system to say like oh we're not we're we're well below this threshold to test to make sure the products are below that threshold correct so this i'm glad you brought that up because this is the exact case with potassium bromate Mm -hmm. and honestly i never i wasn't even sure what it did until i started looking into it but it's used in a lot of your baked goods so your bagels your breads your donuts your tortillas your english muffins your pizza crust and the list goes on and on and it it's used because it helps the dough rise, it strengthens the dough, and it gives the products a uniform texture. So if you are making 200,000 loaves of bread today, it's going to make, they're going to look uniform, they're going to rise uniformly, they're going to have the same texture 
large scale production yes. for baked goods. And manufacturers is, like that. It makes is, it easier. Right. But that's probably where you're going to see it the most. So potassium bromate is a potential carcinogen. And that's not just me saying this. The IARC, International Agency uh, on Cancer Research. On Cancer Research. Thank you. Um, which is part of the World Health Association, labels it a carcinogen, meaning it causes, has the potential to cause World Health Organization. Cancer. Yes. The WHO. <laughs> but our FDA has deemed that it is safe in amounts up to 50 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So it's based on your body weight, but no more than 50 milligrams per kilogram. There have been some recent studies, though, and I will say I could not find one in the United States because okay. I did look at several. But there was a, a recent study that suggested that products contain way more than that, that they may contain around fifty to 10,000 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. That's... Way, way more. So so even if you don't necessarily comprehend 50 milligrams per kilogram, which, to be super clear, I don't, the point is, is that products are are like 200x, potentially, yeah. that level. Yeah. And so, you know, our research, of course, because we can't test this in humans, is on animals. And it is linked to potential cancer risk in animals. Um, when animals were given... 600 to 500 milligrams per kilogram. Um, but we don't know. We can't say it definitely causes cancer in humans. So right. we keep using it. But well, one, of, one of the notes you have here is that it converts to oxides and free radicals in the body. Yes. And we know that those have, are those gen, like free radicals generally are very, are, can be very harmful. Um, and... That stokes inflammation. It, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily lead to just one negative health condition no. like cancer. It can lead to a multitude depending but on free how radical it, damage or oxidative damage is what most cancer cell mutations and changes in DNA and cells is linked to. Right. Um, so I did not realize this either. Potassium bromate is banned in the European Union. It's banned in Canada, and that one surprised me because I feel like we're usually on the same page with Canada, the United States mm. is, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, man, Canada's got it banned. Brazil and China. And here's what got me, and this is what got me with all of these four that got banned that we're going to talk about. None of them are necessary. None of them are required. Yeah. There are other more natural additives that you can use. Um, a lot of them are just really for aesthetic purposes for the most part. Yeah. Well, we shop with our eyes. Very true. Okay. This is the next one that really shocked me. Potassium bromate surprised me because I really hadn't heard much about it before. Red dye number three. I had heard about it, but I'd never really looked deep into the research. And oh my gosh. First, let me tell you. The FDA banned it for use in cosmetics, like in blush and lipsticks and that kind of thing, over 30 years ago. Yeah, that's... Because of the potential for cancer. That's the part that I... That I did not know. Now, I feel like some of the mental health components 
um, or like potential uh, negative repercussions with red dye number three are on my radar, but I had no idea that it was banned in cosmetics 30 years ago. And then when you showed me this one study about like one of the main reasons why it was banned in cosmetics, it, it makes no sense because it was based on consumption of red dye 30, uh-huh. not application. I mean, we, you know, we absorb so much through our skin, yeah. but still they gave red dye 30 to rats and then they banned it in cosmetics, but they didn't ban it in what we ate. And when I did some reading, the, basically what kind of seemed to boil down to is that within the FDA, there's little silos, there's cosmetics, there's food, there's supplements, there's drugs. Yeah. And that each one of those has to create their own rules. And so when red dye number three got banned in cosmetics, the FDA said that they would, quote, take steps to ban it from food as well. But they didn't. And now here we are over 30 years later, and we've been eating it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though they know it causes cancer. Yeah. Well, and the thing, too, is that it's not just in things like candy. It's also in drinks. It's also in medicines. I believe, like, cough syrups, gummy vitamins. Um, I think I saw it was in some flavors of Pediasure. Not surprised. Because think about it, you can now buy, well, your kids are probably well past this phase. Mine have just recently graduated where they, like in the liquid um, ibuprofen, acetaminophen, Mm -hmm. like you can, you can buy quote unquote dye free. It's just white. Like, does it really need to be purple or red or pink or whatever? I mean, you can still put the flavor in there. Yeah. Um, and so, and this one, red dye number three, is purely for cosmetic purposes and yeah. to sell products. Yeah, it gives you, it gives it that very nice bright cherry color. Um, but yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about um, about the health effects of red dye because it's not red dye number three because it it. So it does have a, a risk, an increased risk of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those rats that I was talking about, that study, it showed an increased risk of thyroid cancer when they fed it to the rats. That was the one that was played a role with, mm-hmm. the, with the cosmetics ban. But there are also some, some tie-ins to mental wellness. Yeah. So this, so red dye number three, we've got cancer as a potential risk. But then we've also got some neurological stuff going on, and it may extend beyond this, but where we've seen it is in um, kids, some kids with ADHD. And I actually, this is why I've been watching this whole Skittles ban to see if it was going to pass, mm-hmm. because I read an article, and I think I've talked about it before, about five years ago for Cooking Light own a blue dye that was in Publix icing on their birthday cakes. And I figured it out because it made my ADHD child, which is his is normally well managed, crazy hyperactive. Like, and it was sad. Like, he couldn't stop. Like, it was like an Energizer Bunny, and he didn't want to keep going. But yeah. But he couldn't. He couldn't. And it happened several times, and I was just like, there's, 
there's something else going on here. Yeah. So that's why I have been watching it. Um, and red dye number three actually is a blue dye, and it can be made into all different colors. So, um, but it is several studies have linked artificial food dyes, including red dye number three, to hyperactivity and neural behavioral effects in children. Um, now, it seems to be it's not all children, and it's not necessarily just your ADHD ones. It seems there is, although it does seem to occur more in kids with ADHD, but it's not all your ADHD kids. It's ones who are sensitive to it, and it can occur mm-hmm. in kids that haven't been diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. A third one that's been banned, propylparaben. So propylparaben is part of the paraben family, which you see a lot of paraben, paraben compounds used like in skincare and sun products. Yeah. Um, but it's also used in food. It's used in pharmaceuticals and then, of course, your personal care products. And it acts as a preservative, at least in food, and inhibits mold growth and acts as an antibacterial. Which is important. Which is important. But... Parabens, as a whole, mimic estrogen and can act as a potential hormone or endocrine disruptors. And I think we've we probably needed a whole, we probably need to do a whole episode on endocrine disruptors. I know we've mentioned them a yeah. little, but these are chemicals that disrupt hormone signaling in the body, and they lead to adverse effects that can affect. Um, brain development, reproduction, and your neurological and immune systems. Yeah, because basically it tricks the body into thinking that it's estrogen that's in there. Mm-hmm. And that's how it screws up all, like, all the systems. And we have talked about it before. Um, we've talked about it when, when we talked about um, cookware. Oh, yeah. And we talked about it when we talked about water. Because, um, well, we talked about hormone disruptors or endocrine disruptors. Um, and parabens a little bit, but, but just generally like the hormone disruptors as a category. Yeah. So, um, when it it acts as a preservative, which means it extends the shelf life of packaged foods by preventing the growth of mold or bacteria. And here's the thing with this one. It's not easy to necessarily identify where it is. I mean, like with your red dye number three candies are going to be probably your most concentrated segment of the grocery store. You know, then maybe some of your gummy vitamins, your cough syrups, that kind of thing. So you kind of know generally where to look, although you probably should be looking at a lot of products um, more than that. But propylparaben is found, it says it's found in more than 50 products in U.S. grocery stores, but it kind of was all over the place. Like it listed corn tortillas, baked desserts, cake icing, so like all over the board. Yeah, it seems very random. But uh-huh. it but to me it also I think a if a great place to mentally think about it is that if it's meant to inhibit mold growth, I mean you're not gonna find it sprayed onto your strawberries or your berries. You're gonna find it in those like ultra shelf stable products that you're like, how does this is this still good? Yeah. You know, like I love a corn tortilla or a flour tortilla that I've forgotten about in my refrigerator and I find out it's not moldy. So I'm like, sweet. Yeah. I can turn this into a dinner. But maybe I should be thinking twice. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, shocker, it is not approved for use in the European Union. Um, and when they evaluated it, I think it was around 15 years ago, um, they, they look at it and say, okay, is there a safe and adequate, a tolerable dose we could use in food? They could not identify one because there were, they still had so many concerns over, um, at the time it was male reproductive effects. Um, so when they reviewed it 15 years ago to consider it again, they said, nope, no way. Um, so purple paraben, that's the other one. And really, I, I didn't know much about that one. Mm -mm. No, I mean, I've heard about mold, like mold growth inhibitors Mm -hmm. in products, but that they exist. Right. But I never really dug into the actual ingredient name. Um, and I find that the what happened in the European Union with the effect on men really fascinating slash sad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last one. Brominated vegetable oil. This, this one has such an ick factor to me. It like d- It has such an ick factor. Yeah. So you may also see this listed as brominated soybean oil or any oil that says it's brominated. But it's basically um, an oil that has had bromine added to it. And it is used, it's used as an emulsifier in drinks, meaning it keeps a drink mixed up. Specifically, it's used in citrus-flavored drinks. And it keeps the citrus flavoring from floating to the very top. Mm. So it keeps that Mountain Dew all mixed together. <laughs> I Just the idea of putting something with the word oil in it into the drink is just so yeah. to me. So it's allowed for use in a small amount in the U.S. And again, it's to stabilize a fruit flavoring in vegetables. Now, here's the thing in beverages. that shocked in beverages, me. Not Sorry. vegetables. I don't not, want people to not think that it's vegetables. vegetables. No, in fruit beverages. Used in beverages. Yes. Here's the thing that shocked me. The FDA, in 1970, the FDA limited its use and said, whoa, we've got some major concerns And they were based on um, animal studies. They were like, we've got some major concerns about possible effects that brominated vegetable oil has on the heart. Um, What I was reading said these concerns were resolved by later studies. But even after that, later studies and reports have suggested possible other health effects. So they had concerns in 1970. Right, exactly. Why Why keep using it? Right. You know? We'll also think, too, about how much our soft drink consumption has increased yes. in that time. Now, oh, so drinks like Mountain Dew, Fanta. I will say some drinks have removed it. I have not checked the label to be sure, but um, I did see something that said um, it was removed from Gatorade mm-hmm. um, probably about six or seven years ago. I haven't confirmed that, but, um, so it has been removed from some of the drinks, but I believe Mountain Dew still has it. Yeah. And probably look at your other citrus ones as well. The, the other thing that I thought was interesting in your notes was that it said that in animal studies, they find that it can be transferred from a mother's milk to a nursing infant. And it has, you know, really unfortunate health effects health effects generally like it has a it has heart health effects 
It can lead to fatty changes in the liver. It can impair growth and behavioral development. Um, and and so it's clearly it's one of those that that you know has doesn't just affect you, right? But if you're a, if you're a nursing mother, it can affect your child. But it does say that for people who drink a lot of soda, it can really make it it can be have some really potent effects. And there are some people who really do drink a lot of soda. I mean, even yeah. if you're drinking a diet drink, right? Yeah. You're you're getting ingredients in there that you might not want. Yeah. And shocker, it's not permitted for use in the European Union. Now I'm really seeing why you were suggesting moving to Europe as yeah. the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I again, I have followed for several years now. Like, if I really want to know about an additive, I mean, I, I look into it myself. But then I also see if it's allowed for usage in your in the European Union. Yeah, because that's they're so much more conservative, and I don't know why the FDA has chosen the other approach. It's a great question. Maybe Netflix will do a docu-series or something on it one day for us. But here's what I'm hoping. I mean, I think it's great that California has banned these. I think it's sad, though, that a state had to go out and do it on its own. and The, the federal government hasn't done it. Um, I don't see the FDA doing it anytime soon. I think hopefully you'll see some more step, more states following in California's footsteps. And, you know, I started thinking today— this Skittles ban in California, it has until 2027 to comply. So that's yeah. four years, which seems very, very generous to companies. It does. But I'm hoping maybe companies say, okay, we're making this switch. We don't know what's to come in the future. So let's just take it out, not just out of our products that go to California, but let's right. take it out of all our products. Right. Exactly. That that would be my hope, too. Like the same way that we saw um, – natural dyes start showing up in some candies mm-hmm. or at least some lines of candy being made with mm-hmm. natural dyes that hopefully this will have like similar repercussions. Yeah. Cause I imagine that while it might not be as cost effective for some of these companies that it might be simpler from a just general manufacturing standpoint to streamline. Yeah. Or at least that's that would that would be my hope, and I and I'm with you because that would be very nice if it extended beyond California. Like how California has some other safety regulations, and if you buy a product that falls into that category, mm-hmm. it will warn you about it. Yeah, for California, even though they're shipping it to me here in Alabama. Yeah, so. yeah. I will say the one thing <laughs> that um, was mentioned several times when I was doing looking into stuff is that. Um, your smaller people, particularly like your younger kids. Yeah, and just generally small humans. Just generally small humans. Because they weigh less, you know, uh, if I ate the same amount of Skittles as they am, they ate, it's a much higher dosage in their body. Right. Um, like the icing effect like on your icing. son versus if you too had a piece. Yes, yes. And, you know... It's a, a really great point to keep in mind, which is why... You know, of course, as parents, we want to say, like, do as I say, not as I do. It is really important to think about what we're giving our kids and, and yeah. ourselves. But And again, it's already banned. And all, all of these four that we talked about are already banned in other countries, some other countries. 
Um, and none of these are necessary. Like, it's not like, right. you know, removing red dye number three from Skittles is going to mean we can no longer have Skittles. We can still have Skittles. Correct. But just not, maybe not quite as cheery Vibrant. red and bright. Yeah, exactly. We can tone yeah. it down a little. Yeah. Maybe it'll color our tongues a little less. Yeah. So I will, we will share where you can get some more information on this. We'll um, share your band. article too. Yep. I'll share my article. And um, anyway, we just kind of, we wanted to know a little more about it. And we felt like our followers might as well. Absolutely. Because some of them, well, they all have health effects, but some of them do specifically have mental health effects. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, this was fantastic. Very, very knowledgeable. Um, and hopefully it helps everybody the next time they're at the grocery store. Well, you know, from a personal perspective, at least I have these four names to look for. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I totally agree. I was actually thinking that we should repeat them one more time before we sign off. Okay. So it's potassium bromate. It is brominated vegetable oil or any kind of brominated oil, propyl paraben, and red dye number three. Thank you, Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Until Anytime. next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.